0: California, and Texas, and New York, and we're going to South Dakota, and Oregon, and Washington, and Michigan, and then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Yeah! From the Writing Center about the University, break the glass, guys. It's an election shock therapy emergency podcast.
2: Yeah. I wish we had, I wish we had a siren. Yeah. We need we, beep, beep, we beep, beep, beep. a break, breaking glass noise. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, well we're we're I'm going to hire a good Foley good, artist in somewhere. the future. Oh, yeah. good, yeah, good. In post production. That's, that's right. right. Could you hire a Mick,
0: <laughs> a Mick Foley artist?
2: I will do my best. <laughs> <All
0: right. laughs> uh, guys, we're here uh, because um, Andy Bramson is being impeached. Wow. From his position as faculty senate president. <laughs> You we're here to discuss the ramifications of that. Uh, no, we're here because Nancy Pelosi has said that she is going to move forward on impeachment proceedings for Donald Trump
2: and stuff about Ukraine. It's making her move stuff in that about
0: Ukraine. Uh, one of um, one of the lesser-known Russian novels, stuff about Ukraine. Yes,
2: yes, popular.
0: So here's the deal: we, as political scientists, are not pundits. We're not here to give you yet one more set of opinions about the breaking news. We try to podcast when we can say something that's useful from the perspective of trained political scientists, which will add light to the debate and not just heat. And we want to do that <laughs> specifically from our, perspe- our perspective as Christian political scientists. So we're going to keep this fairly short. We view this uh, podcast really as a PSA to help people understand exactly what's happening and what we can expect in the future um, from Congress, from the House, mm-hmm. and from President Trump. So what has been happening? What has happened in the last 24 hours that has shifted the whole conversation about impeachment? Uh, Mitch, do you want to fire away first? I mean, is it Matt? Mitch? <laughs> oh, take that out. You know, I'll
1: take that as a compliment.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, I here's that. the thing. <laughs> we, we really could use Dr. Crum's uh, uh, legal expertise here, but we're going to turn towards uh, Dr. Kukum.
2: Yeah, the Doctor K.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. We we actually have all three same initials. <laughs> I know. Even more Do you weird. really have all three? Yes. It is so weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's very strange. <sighs> It yeah, it's back to the clone thing. Right?
0: No, yeah. At this, well, Doctor Kukum, would you please tell us a little bit? about <laughs> All right. So, what, so what, we'll what, hold what, off on the happened?
1: legal analysis uh, yeah. for the moment and just kind of give you a, a rundown if you haven't been following this. So, basically, um, in July, Trump had a conversation uh, with the Ukrainian President um, Zelensky um, yep. regarding um, regarding military funds um, that the United States sends to the Ukraine, um, and also regarding Um, some investigations that uh, Trump wants the Ukrainian administration to conduct um, into corruption schemes in general, but specifically... on uh, Hunter Biden, who is the son of Joe Biden.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and basically, news of this conversation and potentially other conversations um, leaked. Um, there, well, I should say there was a whistleblower um, who brought this uh, to the attention of the intelligence community. Um, and this was ultimately um, this became news. Right. And this has been percolating for almost a week now. So this came out, I suppose, last what was it Thursday or Friday? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this has been churning. That's in, what the whistleblower can like. Can right. right yeah, yeah. This has been churning All around right. for some time. Uh, but what really sort of um, broke the dam, so to sp- uh, break, broke the dam, so to speak, on on the impeachment was there was um, a movement amongst more moderate uh, Democrats in the House of Representatives. Um, that sa- who said that this offense is actually an impeachable offense, and so there was actually an op-ed um, in the Washington Post that came out. I believe it was on Monday, um, in which seven House Democrats from moderate districts, some of those districts having gone for Trump, um, and these are all Democrats with uh, be- background in uh, the defense community and the intelligence community, right. um, basically came out and said, "Hey, this is an impeachable offense," um, and. Mm-hmm. Basically, they led the way in basically Democrats in the House of Representatives moving towards the need to actually open up an impeachment inquiry. Nancy Pelosi, who has been very reticent to open up that process any further, finally felt the pressure um, to actually make a formal announcement regarding that impeachment inquiry. So so that is now something the House will right. theoretically move towards, although the House has to actually vote to open an inquiry, right. and that hasn't happened yet. And it's not clear when that's going to happen. Um, some Democrats, um, in you know discussing the press conference that Nancy Pelosi held, um, were actually a little bit confused um, afterwards right. and didn't know exactly what Nancy Pelosi has in mind for the next steps and when they'll actually occur. Um, so. So it seems like an impeachment inquiry will probably happen, but we don't know when it's going to happen, when that vote's going to occur, and when the vote actually does occur and the House would move to open up an inquiry, that doesn't mean that Trump has been actually impeached. What it means is now there is a formal mechanism in place that allows for the House and the various relevant committees in the House to actually have more investigatory powers, Mm -hmm. which they can collect more information that they can use potentially to consider articles of impeachment so that it's important to know the House already has oversight powers over the executive branch Um, what makes impeachment investigations important is they give um, the the House of Representatives sort of a judicial function and additional additional um, apparatus to actually conduct Mm -hmm. those investigations Um, and the president has less recourse in these situations, um, let's recourse to um, what's called um, uh, what executive, it, privilege. executive privilege, right. um, which allows the president in usual normal times to actually withhold information right. um, in an, an impeachment scenario um, basically executive privilege is is a lot weaker and the courts are less likely to uphold executive privilege. And so mm-hmm. the House can collect more information um, and it can use that information to consider the actual articles of impeachment. Yep. Um, so at some point down the road, the House may end up actually voting on articles of impeachment mm-hmm. to impeach the president, but that's not that doesn't necessarily have to happen.
2: Right. Right. This and is them looking into that to see if that they could decide not to proceed.
1: Right. right. Exactly. They couldn't right. decide not to proceed, you know, based off of, you know, mm-hmm. how politically feasible impeachment would right. be, over the cost and benefits of that. And of course, if the House does decide to impeach that president, that doesn't mean the president is actually removed from office. Right. So the House serves as sort of a grand jury to consider evidence. evidence. And then if the House impe- impeaches the president, basically that means that the Congress is filing formal charges against the president, and then it gets no. kicked to the Senate, which serves as a sort of trial jury. Right. And the Senate has to vote in order, you know, if the president is actually going to be removed, it would require a two-thirds majority right. in the Senate right. to actually right. remove the president from office. And, of course, that's um, probably not likely, but, right. you know, given the current political context, you never know.
2: So the last time we, we actually got as far as the House, in like, actually going toward an impeachment inquiry was the 90s with Clinton, right? I mean, right. like, Bush... Because under Bush and Obama, you did have certain moments where the... Um The You know, you'd have various members of the House, usually kind of people on the far left or far right, who would talk about impeachment. I mean, I remember Dennis Kucinich, for example, famously doing this with Bush. You know, these are war crimes and you should impeach. And this never went anywhere. It never got serious traction other than a kind of few hardcore supporters on the fringe of the party in both instances, right? Um, So, the you know, Nancy Pelosi's, John Boehner's, Paul Ryan's were never going to take this seriously as Speaker. So this is a big moment in that sense, right, Mm -hmm. that a Speaker of the House who's clearly been reluctant to move down this path – is saying there is something here. There's enough pressure for the party to make that move. As you rightly pointed out, it's still a very long ways from actually impeaching in the House, let alone convicting in the Senate.
0: First, Matt, then Andy. Why do you think uh, Pelosi has shifted her position in this instance?
1: Because there has been enough of a shift amongst enough Democrats who weren't committed for yep. um, to so, actually she's, so she's being to led
0: impeach. by her party here.
1: Yeah. I would say so. I mean, so it's complicated, right? I mean, so to yeah. some extent, she's always been trying to keep a rein on sort of the impeachment, um, mm-hmm. you know, sure. train, to mix the metaphors there. <laughs> uh, tired, guys. on um, the train. But she's try- yeah, she, but she's been trying to keep a rein on that. But it's to some yep. extent, you know, speakers of the House, even though they are very powerful, um, if their entire caucus, if their entire party seems to be moving one direction, there's only so much they can do to— right to right. sort of
2: keep that train from leaving the station. Yeah, so. yep. I, th- I think that's right. And I think, I mean, I, I, I suspect that the the evidence she's seen over the past week is also compelling to her, that this, this suggests not just sort of, you know, bad behavior, but potentially illegal behavior. And that does seem worth, at the very least, opening an impeachment inquiry, which, as we, Matt rightly points out, is not the same as saying we're going to vote articles of impeachment and actually pass them um or convict him, right? We're just saying we need to look into this further. We need those additional resources. We need to be able to have access to documents. And this is how you go about doing that. So in that sense, I think she's she's I think she is probably largely following her caucus, but I think she's probably also taking seriously what's come down in the last week.
0: Andy I don't want to be pedantic, but when you said a legal behavior, are are we the impeachment process itself is not a legal process so much as it's right. a political process. Right. Are we thinking that the shift here is a question of legality or just the a gross abuse of power allegation?
2: Well, I mean, I think in this case there's somewhat similar, right? I mean, like there, there's that kind of um, concern that he, has, he is abusing his power, right, and that the, there are limits in what the president is allowed to do with his power, right? And so I think that it's um, – in that sense, I mean, it somewhat reminds me of the Clinton – Um, you know, the Clinton accusations, right, which was, you know, partly about his potential perjury, but also partly about his potential abuses of power. I mean, did he misuse his position um, to protect himself, right? so that was one of the concerns Republicans raised in the 90s with Bill Clinton.
1: Right. I mean, there's a couple of issues on the table. Um, So there's a question of whether or not um, Trump has gone about, the Trump administration has been um, on the up and up, on releasing information about this it incident, right. so right. bringing in the information about the whistleblower, yep. um, you know, and releasing that to Congress. So there's a question about yep. that. So it's more of a procedural question, mm-hmm. um, and then there's the question over whether or not um, there actually was a quid pro quo um, right. sort of mm-hmm. interchange uh, between the president and the president of Ukraine, right. um, which. Um, even if it there does seem to be a corrupt kind of relationship right. there, uh, that is not something that is technically, as far as I know, um, against the law. It would be, um, you know, probably you could constitute it as an abuse of power, but mm-hmm. that's not a, a sure. technically sure. illegal. Right? Point.
0: Mm-hmm. It could potentially be a campaign finance violation, right.
1: correct? Could. It could be, um, although the tiny bit of reading I've done on that is there's there's various opinions on that, and that's probably okay. not. Mm-hmm. Democrats are going to get more traction on this. is just a straight up abuse of presidential power than a campaign finance uh, violation. Fair I think enough. More people are going to um, find yeah. find that problematic um, than the campaign finance. I, I mean, yeah.
2: And then the kind of extending the abuse of power, you could also argue it's an it's basically inviting a foreign power to in some way manipulate the electoral process, right? In this case, by trying to come in and investigate uh you know a child of a a, of arrival right in the hopes of embarrassing that person which of course especially with trump and the kind of russia allegations in 2016 right raises this kind of these familiar red flags like wait well haven't we already been through something like this um and so that's you know that's i think part of this too is you're you're not only thinking about what's going on right now but also what has been
0: man we have a sense of timetable on this um this doesn't happen very often in American politics. Right. Does Pelosi control the timetable in a way that could this get wrapped up well before 2020 election, or is this going to run right up until the 2020 election?
1: It could. It kind of depends on how far they want to go with the investigations. So back um, – the last time we had this rodeo uh, back with Bill Clinton. <laughs> right. I mean, It is a rodeo, um, yeah. even if it might be necessary at times. Um, the impeachment process went pretty quickly. Um, so yeah. it took – From the time you had an initial inquiry to the time the House actually voted to impeach Bill Clinton, it was like two or three months. It went Mm. fast. Um, But the charges that were being considered were were pretty specific and pretty narrow. And so I think if the House of Representatives in this case uh, decides to focus primarily on the ukrainian incident and not use it as a way to explore other sort of impeachable offenses it has potential potential mm-hmm. to which right. i think is would be smart if they did keep it focused yep. right mm-hmm. yeah um if they did keep it focused then you could potentially look at a faster timeline okay. um, but there might be other you know political advantages to slow walking it as well
0: yeah well, that, that gets to my and again we're not trying to be pundits here but political scientists and Um, The thing I want to ask both of you is, what is the purpose of doing this at this time? And it could be simply in earnest, this is an incident which now having come to light, is egregious, it crosses the line beyond anything that's happened before, it's beyond the pale. Mm -hmm. Or it could be this is well-timed for political effect. And based on what we know from the scholarship, do we have a sense of which one it is?
2: I, I would be I would be somewhat cynical here and say I mean I, I you know, setting aside kind of the, the valid valid concerns and I think they are valid, um, this seems like she's Pelosi's getting pressured by members of her party who are themselves then pressured by electoral concerns. What have you done to oppose the president, right? And a lot of these people are from districts um, that are very democratic. They are wanting to make sure that they are sufficiently pure and sufficiently kind of faithful to kind of prosecuting the, the case they were sent to prosecute, so to speak, right? And so they, they you know, they want to make sure they don't get beaten from the left, right? So I think there is there is that political motivation. I do think they're also looking at it this and saying, these are really concerning abuses of power. What is interesting is that, and, and suggests maybe this is a little bit more about principle, is that you have people who have less of that kind of self-interest, the kind of people who just won for the first time in 2018 from the suburbs, from more of these swing districts, um, in fact, from districts like yours, um, Chris, right, who are... Don't blame you know, this on me, man. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, those kind of people are vulnerable, right? Dean Phillips is more vulnerable Absolutely. than, say, Betty McCollum, who's from Bethel's district, or Ilhan Omar, who's from Minneapolis, right? I mean, they're from very solidly blue districts. Dean Phillips, seat could you, flip right because yep. it's the kind of district that has in fact voted for Republican very recently and and those kind of people too are starting to come out in support of this which suggests that might be a little bit more about principle or maybe it's I mean maybe it's just the way they think the wind's blowing right. um but I, I do think you know there's there's some potential benefit to 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 kind of slow walking this if you're thinking about the electoral, right? What you need to do is show that you're taking this seriously, that you're trying, but I'm not sure you necessarily want to actually conduct impeachment hearings and have a vote, which is going to ultimately probably fail unless something um, shifts like in the Senate, if not in the House, right? Um, So... You know, I wonder if she'll just kind of use it as like, hey, he's under investigation, but not bring it to fruition. So we'll see. OK,
0: one, one more international relations guy question for, for you folks. Could, the, could Pelosi start impeachment inquiries with this Congress, carry them past 2020 in the event that, say, Democrats take the Senate, but Trump is still in office and wins reelection? election which is an unlikely scenario, but yep. if that's yep. the case, could she sort of start the process now and conclude the elect- the, the, the trial with a Democratic Senate?
1: I mean, it wouldn't even take a Democratic Senate. It could just take some Republicans' defect. I mean, even if they get, didn't control the Senate, right. it would probably still take some Republicans' defect. It would, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's no way
2: you're going so, to have a two-third Senate. Right. right. And right. I guess Absolutely. it depends
1: on, you know, like, do you want to sort of take on a president who won re-election you know, would that potentially cause political blowback? Like, well, the people spoke yeah. again, and they voted for him again. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it wasn't a popular vote, he won an electoral college, and so right. there's just, right. you know, that that shows that enough people just don't want to see him impeached that they vote. So, I would say if you're going to actually go through, you would want to conclude the process at least in regards to the Ukraine question. Do it expediently, right? Okay, right. yeah. So, right. so, just because they decide, you know, not to impeach him on. Ukraine issue doesn't mean they couldn't find something else later mm-hmm. on.
2: Sure. Right. And I think, I mean, and she might want to do that and just sort of say, you know, same thing the Republicans tried in the 90s, right? I mean, you go ahead and impeach him in the House. She probably could get the votes to do that, assuming the evidence is there. Um, and then you take it to the Senate, which would presumably, given how things are right now, um, vote to acquit, right? Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, and then you're just saying like, hey, the Republicans are unwilling to stand up to this president's abuse of power and use that as a 2020 talking point, right? right? And that might be what she's thinking at this point. But but it's interesting because, I mean, she clearly didn't really want to do this. I mean, she had to kind of be dragged to this. Um, She's been very reluctant to go down the impeachment path. Um, And so this is it's an interesting shift on her part.
1: Yeah. And I I think, you know, I think it's going to come down to ultimately what the public thinks is an impeachable offense. Right. Because I was talking with my class today about about impeachment and Mm -hmm. impeachment is purely a political consideration. Mm -hmm. Um, Impeachment is about. Um, is ultimately about feasibility and ultimately about public opinion. Right. Um, the Constitution does not specify what a high crime and misdemeanor yeah. actually is. Right. That's ultimately for the Congress and then ultimately the people to actually decide. Um, so there is not a um, there's not an obligation to impeach. Right. Um, Congress can decide to impeach because yep. they think that one of the other branches of government has actually um, trampled on um trampled on the other branches and yep. has abused its power right. um, and their calculation in that decision is is i think ultimately based on what the people think and i think Nancy Pelosi has been very reticent because you know as of you know the past few weeks the number of people who actually support impeachment is is a minority right, right. so 60 Plus percent of Americans don't support impeachment right, the, right. the threshold uh, for impeachment for most people is really really high
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, yep. uh, and that's actually why I think this is gonna be a really interesting test case for the political science side of this mm-hmm. As to whether public opinion on issues like this leads or follows and now that yeah. Democratic Leadership is moving towards impeachment will the public start to move towards impeachment because they're copying leaders or are leaders be restrained by the lack of public support for this
1: right and one of the issues here is um, if, if this scenario was occurring in the context in which impeachment had never been discussed, then I think the possibility of impeachment would be higher. Hmm. Yeah. Basically, yeah. the Democrats have been talking about the possibility of impeachment for the past two and a half years. Right. Sure. And people were right. worn out um, yep. and yep. they're cynical about how the Democrats have approached um, investigations mm-hmm. of the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. Um, correctly or incorrectly, yep. and so, yep. um, so I think a lot of people, including some moderates, might still view this as another example of Democrats trying to seek partisan advantage. Right. Um, now, right. now public opinion might shift; it's certainly a possibility. Mm-hmm. I think we'll mm-hmm. we'll know more in a week once some new polls come out sure. um, on the question. Um, but ultimately, the Democrats aren't going to be successful and be able to use this to their advantage unless public opinion does shift.
2: Right? Yeah, so. and I'm, and I'm say- doubtful about that, too, for another reason we've talked about on here, which is just, I mean, how polarized we are as a country, right? right? I mean, we don't listen to the same news sources. We don't listen to the same, you know, leaders. And so, with, you know, yes, I mean, like the, you know, the Democratic Party, a lot of the rank and files is already behind impeachment. Um, the moderates, as Matt rightly says, are skeptical of this. Um, sort of, it's more of like a pox on both their houses. They're all kind of bums, and we don't <laughs> we don't want to listen to them. But we certainly don't want to impeach the president, right? And the Republicans obviously are very supportive of Donald Trump. So unless you saw a huge shift with moderates and you know maybe some some Republicans shifting, it's hard to see how this really gets traction to actually result in presidential re- removal. I'm very skeptical that could happen in this polarized environment. Right? Donald isn't.
0: Trump remains unpopular, but his his popularity levels are uh, remarkably stable
2: very stable, and and he's, and he's very popular in his party. Yes, And as right. long as he keeps that, there's no way you can afford as Republicans to turn on mass against him.
1: Right. And so what impeachment is ultimately about, um, and I, I'm, I'm cynical when it comes yeah. to looking at politics, or realistic, I think. <laughs> yeah. I prefer to say realistic. Yeah, um, very kind of interchangeable is, here. <laughs> is that sort of the impeachment, so I think most Democrats— Realize that Trump isn't is probably not going to get removed,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Um,
1: especially because we're only a year out from the general election, mm-hmm. and so yep. really, what impeachment is about is finding ways to discredit Trump sufficiently enough to depress yep. turnout amongst Republicans, yep. and especially to get the few people that are sitting on the fence to get them to um, vote for. Mm-hmm. Um, the Democratic candidate yep. um, next November. Yep. Um, so it's it's ultimately part of a campaign strategy. Yep. It's sure. a risky one, but that's what it mm-hmm.
2: is. And protect yourself from primary challengers back
1: Well, home. yeah, exactly. Exactly.
2: <laughs> that's so the if, other if piece you're of the there, viewed as being there, weak right, right.
1: on um, opposing yeah. Trump yep. and seen as not supporting impeachment, right. you're going to be afraid of getting primaried by yep. someone who is further
0: left yep. and more adamant in their opposition to Trump. Agreed. So this even could create a rift between the more safe um, Democrats in the, in the House and those who need to run in swing states, Who mm-hmm. one, one group of which might want to push this, this agenda forward and then of which would prefer this never had happened at all.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking that it's possible that the moderate Democrats, there might be a few holdouts that feel the pressure to go ahead and vote with their party yep. um, to vote to impeach Trump if it comes to that. Um, but that might, that might cost them. Again, it depends on how much public opinion shifts in their particular districts.
2: Right. And I and I would expect them to be watching that. I mean, one of the, you know, so I, every other year on, during election years, I teach a course on parties and elections. And, you know, one of the works that I think I've referenced on this podcast before is a, a classic by David Mayhew, right? And his big premise in there is he said let's let's see how much of polit- politician's behavior we can understand if we just see politicians as single minded seekers of re-election mm-hmm. right and so you know when i when i look at sort of these impeachment you know this impeachment inquiry i think of Nancy Pelosi's behavior i think of her her party's caucus you know the caucus's behavior i think of the republicans behavior in opposing this um you know you think about it with Mayhew's lens like think of them as single minded seekers of re-election how does this fit into that and i think you can explain a good bit of it hmm. if not most of it all right,
0: gents, um, we're going to uh, call this quick emergency podcast to an end. But anything you recommend as we tie up here uh, for people to pay attention to as they're watching the news over the next week or two.
2: I think I mean it would certainly be interesting. I don't expect this to happen but it'd certainly be interesting if any Republicans were to come out and say something actually supportive, right? The closest we've gotten is supportive of the of the impeachment process, right? Um the closest we've gotten is people like Mitt Romney and Susan Collins saying like, "Oh, this is, you know, concerning, maybe look worth looking into," but not nothing kind of overtly supportive. Um and that would be that would be interesting for if, if we're thinking there's any possibility of a shift. I would be surprised to see that. But Maybe it'll happen.
1: A few things. First of all, um, a week from now, see where the polls stand, um, not only Mm -hmm. on Trump's Mm -hmm. approval rating, but also um, polls that ask questions about the possibility Mm -hmm. of impeachment and Mm -hmm. see if there's any shifts there. Um, Also, this Friday, the whistleblower's report is supposed to... uh, go to Congress and ultimately go public. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, the whistleblower will possibly testify before Congress. We don't even know who the whistleblower is mm-hmm. yet. Yep. There's a possibility the whistleblower might have... It's happen. John Bolton. <laughs> 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 that,
2: that would be some d- good political theater, yeah, that actually.
1: Would
2: be, that would be cheesy, that is fun. But, but
1: anyway, there's a possibility the whistleblower might have information that is not in the transcript that was released um, right. today, yep. which, is, yep. which is Wednesday, September 25th. Um, there's reasons to believe the whistleblower might actually know more yeah. because mm. the whistleblower wasn't even in part of that yeah. initial conversation yeah. between the two presidents, right? Mm-hmm. And so right. the whistleblower heard all of the second and third hand. So there's a possibility the whistleblower also has other information yep. that right. would cause yep, yep. him or her to actually come forward. So look look mm-hmm. for information on the whistleblower. Look also to see what sort of effect this has on Biden, uh, because mm-hmm. remember yeah. Biden. Yeah. Um, is is caught up in this <laughs> scandal and I'll be interested to see if Democrats use this as a way to um, turn you know to use it as ammunition against Biden right. um, I think it's it would be a fantastic strategy if someone like um, like Elizabeth Warren was actually behind this because like what kind of mm. political scandal could you concoct that would <laughs> allow you to take out both Trump and and Biden simultaneously, right? Wow. That films both of them, right? So that's some Game of Thrones level stuff, right that's there. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's some yeah. serious. Yeah. Warren or Sanders? I don't know if Sanders has it in him, but Warren, <laughs> or maybe some of the others no. could. No. But yeah, I think it's. I would just be looking for how yeah. this affects Biden's uh, candidacy. Yep. Um, now, I think that perhaps the narrative has shifted a little bit on this because before the impeachment question, Biden was. You know, Biden's role in this was more in the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now impeachment and that discussion is sort of sucking all of the oxygen out of out of the room and is sort of dominating the media narrative. And so that might be a useful smokescreen or a distraction mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. could help Biden. We'll, we'll just have to see how that plays out. But but yeah, look, look to see right. not only how this affects Trump, but affects Biden as well.
0: All right. Well, stay tuned, guys. Uh, stay tuned to this channel for lots more podcasts coming down the pipe. Uh, Sam, do you know what's coming next on the channel? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a new episode of Tweet Victory coming tomorrow so awesome yep yeah, lots right. of good stuff all right stay tuned we'll be back in your feed real soon on behalf of my colleagues here at the university you've been listening to this emergency edition election shock therapy as always go royals